Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like your mom making it rain at Chuck E. Cheese. This is Christian Rivera, your host, and today on the show, I have Rosemary Richings, a talented copywriter who speaks of her growth as a professional writer and the tools she uses to continue forward in her career whilst facing dyspraxia, a form of developmental coordination disorder, a common disorder affecting fine and or gross motor motor coordination in children and adults. Rosemary was kind enough to share her story and talk about how entrepreneurs can work on issues of anxiety and self-doubt whilst starting their own business. Rosemary also comes from a family of entrepreneurs, so there's a lot of interesting stuff here to break down. You can find Rosemary at her uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rosemary Richings, which is also linked in the description. So without further ado, welcome Rosemary Richings to the show. Hello, Rosemary. Hi, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? Good. Awesome. Excited to talk to you. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Indeed. So um, just to, to get us started, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, where you're at? So I am a web and blog content copywriter, editor, and I content strategist as well. Mm-hmm. And I primarily work with like e-commerce businesses and retail businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first I started that purely out of circumstance because I found myself in a position where I just needed to do something and my work had ended. Mm-hmm. But once I got into it, I found it really comfortable because I have a disability that affects um, like environmental processing as well. It's called dyspraxia. And okay. I... I found it really great in that way because then um, I can really just be in control of my environment. Right. Um, So uh, how long have you known that you've had this and uh, how has it affected you throughout your career? Well, I've had dyspraxia since I was about four. So Mm -hmm. um, basically it's dyspraxia has is all about um, fine motor skills and spatial mm-hmm. processing. Okay. So really it's just been about more the anxiety side of it, really. Right. Um, so what, uh, so you said uh, kind of e-commerce and retail and uh, kind of getting into writing was a matter of, uh, of circumstance. What kind of uh, led you in that direction as something to try and see if that's working for you? Well, uh, I had my work had just come to a sudden end at a theater company I was working at, mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household, so I always had it in the back of my mind that maybe I could start a business one day, but I, I never quite knew if I was ready, but that's right when that uh, unexpected moment came of not really having anything else to do, that's when 
I thought I'd give it a try. Right. It seems like that kind of happens to a lot of people. Like they'll uh, quit a job or lose a job or go through some sort of hardship. And uh, because they have that entrepreneurial uh, desire, they kind of use that as their opportunity a stab at it and it seems is it something that you feel like you're still trying or is it is it going well how how, how are things going with that? oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> i i uh it's been three years now okay. and uh i've built up my portfolio and whenever the not so great times go come up i find that at least I have a coping mechanism for it. At least I have a system. At least I have people I can reach out to, which is awesome. Right. And um, so uh, on, it's like one of the, um, uh, the, the answers you gave to me on some of the questions that came up before, uh, before we started talking were um, you wanted to kind of talk about how uh, people can use some practical tips on how they can go through some of the difficult parts of trying to get themselves into self-employment. So is there anything that um, comes off the top of your head that you can think of that, uh, that, that comes to mind when someone's dealing with uh, trying to start their own business and and like, where, where do they, where do they even start? Oh gosh. Uh, as a writer, I, I find that rejection is a huge part of my work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, first things first, the worst part is in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just because you think you know what you're doing and you put yourself out there and it's really scary. And then you have such and such editor at such and such website or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, Basically, not not really thinking you're hot shit, <laughs> for lack of a better right. word. And uh, really, it's about making it, making the divide happen between the personal and the business, right. and just really, really taking that feedback not as a personal thing, but as something to really grow on. Yeah. I I think it really helps to know that, you know, everybody's, or at least the people that you're reaching out to they're they are also a business trying to get work and trying to make money. And, you know, it it can never be taken something. It can never be taken personally. If it's just something that doesn't align with their business needs, the thing that you want to write about, the thing that you want to help them with, or if it's you're a designer or anything like that, and you just don't line up with the person's needs, it's not a personal rejection. It's just maybe it, it's just not a good fit. And uh, true. it's, it's kind of like dating in a way. It's like you have to kind of accept that maybe this person's not into you and yeah. Yeah. it's not your fault and it's not their fault. It's just things aren't there. You know, everything that's led up to that moment uh, within those two people or two organizations uh, just aren't meant to line up together. So you, you try to find something else that does work instead of trying to just, you know, force a round peg into a square hole, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as common sense as that might seem uh, in the beginning, it's too easy to be too eager and be like, I want everybody to like me right. and I need everybody in a very broad sense of the word to do something and be like, I am the greatest. And then when, they, they don't think that it can be really scary. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a sense of, uh, of desperation sometimes too. Like sometimes the circumstance that someone is forced into to try to like 
start their own businesses. Maybe they lost their job and they don't have much money saved. And there's kind of this panic of like, I just need something. I need someone to say yes. And you kind of go down this, uh, this back and forth spiral of like, I need to just ask anyone to try to get work. And then because you're in this desperate spot, you're more likely to take offense to someone being, you know, rejecting you. And it can be, it can be difficult. So, I mean, with that in mind, what other kind of difficulties do you think that people who are trying to start a business uh, uh, come across, whether that's, um, you know, practical or mental? Uh, the other one that comes to mind is, is isolation, which can have a huge effect on, uh, on mental health and productivity because it's so easy to, like I found with myself too in the beginning because I am a very introverted person and it's not natural for me to go out there and be the big person that's always just arranging parties and etc. I found that very tough in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So really it's important to work extra hard to have that sense of community, not only in a professional way, but in a, in a personal way too. Uh, Like I found it really helpful to regularly schedule meetup events to, uh, to really find ones where there were other business owners and mutual interest groups and things like that and be willing to take breaks and work amongst other people as well. Yeah. Sometimes even just like working at a coffee shop versus working at home, you know, being in the same space as other people sometimes is good uh, to just kind of feel because, you know, as much as, because I'm also a natural introvert and, but, but no matter what happens, uh, humans are, we're social creatures. There's a desire for us to feel social in some sense or another, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's kind of a good time to actually clarify, you know, introvert really means that, you know, putting forth social energy is what's exhausting, not necessarily being around people. It's, it's being around people that might be more difficult to, to work with or deal with. Um, and I, I think that's a, a common misconception, but um, that that's important to not isolate yourself because it is a very, you know, if you're a solo entrepreneur, a solopreneur, as people like to use the, the term, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to just kind of lock yourself in your apartment or, you know, on days on end and just like go between uh, working on a project and then sitting on your couch and binge watching something for hours and forgetting to even call your mother or <laughs> go out, yeah. you know, go out with yeah. friends or something or uh, do something that is both separate from what it is that you're doing uh, a little bit to kind of give yourself kind of a, a still a hobby and, and some, some space to breathe, but also the opportunity to connect with people and learn new things because talking to people allows you to learn new things that you can go back and implement into your business. And that can inform your work too. Like I found in the beginning, um, I joined a running group when I was in the first few months Mm -hmm. of freelancing. Right. And uh, even though they weren't necessarily people that I would work with or I would 
or anything like that. It helped because at the end of the day, I would say at this time I will go and I will run with these people and that will be that. And it was great because at least it gave me a cutoff point. Right. And uh, another interesting part of, um, of what you wanted to talk about as it, uh, uh, with what you wrote to me was, um, uh, not getting taken advantage of. And I assume that's more in the context of, you know, pricing, especially in the beginning, like you may be more willing to, or you should in some sense, uh, be able to, to give out some information for free or to help some people for free yeah. in some circumstances, but not allowing people to take advantage of you in that sense. Maybe, uh, if you can clarify on that a little bit more. Well, uh, that's the thing about, uh, my industry specifically, uh, because you're competing with people all over the world and there's Upwork and all those kinds of things, right. you have to really make the extra effort to make sure that you're not working with the person who, for instance, expects an entire website in a day or a whole bunch of articles in one week or, or whatever. Right. And you have, it really, it's about really sticking up for your value and making them really educating people on where, what you're doing besides just whatever the service may be, like what it is going to accomplish in the end. Yeah. And really setting boundaries for yourself and um, defining, defining the value and the cost that you're asking for. Because that's a problem that I've had throughout my career as a designer. Um, I've done design, graphic design, website, uh, web design, um, uh, video, and photo work. And a lot of the times a client will come to me kind of with an idea of a price in their own head already. Like they'll think that, you know, I had a little cousin do a logo for me once <laughs> for like 15 yeah. bucks. So you can do it for the same rate, right? <laughs> and like, no, I've been doing this for 15 years and uh, it's a little bit of a different story. You kind of define all of the, the attention, the details, the little things. And not only that, but setting boundaries for like, hey, I'm not going to be available after 6 p.m. on weekdays. I'm not going to be available on the weekends. Um, you know, uh, uh, don't expect X, Y, and Z from me because you're used to dealing with corporations or people who are workaho yeah. workaholics. Like, you know, that's that's particularly interesting for younger people, people who are, or not really younger people, but people who are new to an industry, um, who feel this sense of workaholism that they feel like they, in order to show their value, they have to work 16 hours a day, and uh, uh, be available constantly. 2 a.m. when a client calls, you have to be ready. Like that's not true at all. You have to. That's so bad for productivity. Oh, it's so I, terrible. I, I... <laughs> Yeah, I saw a thing online where uh, it was for Fiverr, one of those networks, mm -hmm. and uh, it was trying to reach that demographic. And it, yeah, that's very much what it was going for. It was like, you, this is where you can, you can basically be paid below minimum wage and, and be available even if like, you're busy with something else. I forget how that went, right. but it, it was, there's been so much great satire about that. Cause what is it accomplishing really? What, like, what does it provide besides just pure fluff 
and bullshit. Right. And, and, you know, from the person who is the writer or the designer or the person who feels like they need to be the one that's eager and working all the time, you know, they, they need to kind of understand that a lot of people have more respect for someone who's willing to set boundaries and willing to communicate those things and willing to say like, you know, what it is their guidelines are because a, it's good communication. B, it shows a respect for yourself and for your, and for your craft. It, and C, it's just, it's, it shows a degree of experience and professionalism uh, to be able to set those boundaries. So I absolutely think it's important to do those things in terms of boundaries and pricing to make sure that you're not taking, getting taken advantage of by anyone that you're dealing with. It's, it's super important. And I'm glad you brought that That's up. where I've found to using a lot of uh, forms and uh, you're from, you're probably familiar with it. Cause uh, I remember we scheduled uh, the podcast with it, but mm-hmm. things like Calendly yeah. and, and uh I use a system called Typeform okay. where it's just like you're filling out a form in a non-form like way. It's more like a text message. Right. And uh, I found that a great way to really get rid of the people who don't really get my way of working and would rather just work with someone that's around 24 hours of the day and would work until they burn out. Right. I feel, I think a lot of people need to feel like they need to adjust to the world as opposed to finding ways for the world to adjust to them, like not qualifying clients and uh, trying to feel like in a, in the instance of us where we're both introverts, um, uh, a lot of introverts particularly feel like they need to feel bad about who they are or they do feel about who they are. And they try to kind of force themselves to be more of an extrovert in an extrovert world. They end up kind of burning themselves out and not, not adjusting their schedule, their timing. Like for me, I I've minimized my scheduling for these podcasts to twice a day because I can't do more than twice a day. It's just, well, yeah, it's a lot to handle. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot to handle. It takes a lot of energy. As much as I love these conversations afterwards, I need like a half an hour at minimum to just like listen to music or do something where I'm like, okay, take a breath. That was a lot of talking. (laughs) You're like, you know, relax. Uh, And in the instance of Calendly, like you mentioned, I've been using that personally to both qualify clients and to um, to schedule things on my time, on the time that I agree to, to manage my energy levels and to, like I said, only do two podcasts a day or only once a week or something like that. And I, I have more control that way. And finding ways to control your boundaries is, is, is huge. And also people take you more seriously with that too. Yes. Like- uh, if you take your time seriously, then other people will take that your time seriously as well. Absolutely. So another thing you mentioned was um, uh, uh, pressure from family. That That's um, kind of a big one that a lot of people get as well. And more, again, from it's kind of a younger people thing, but uh, I don't think it's exclusive to that either, where, you know, when we're growing up, we, we deal with, uh, you know, our parents want a certain path for us or, there are certain stigmas with certain things. This is why I talk about mental health 
a lot because there's a lot of stigma associated with that. And yeah, definitely. You know, and um, so maybe if you want to speak to uh, what your thoughts are on on uh, pressure from family. Well, really, the first step I find is just um, just really just clarifying that you you have a plan in place that this is an actual serious business and framing it more as like I run my own business than anything else because then they're like oh you run your own business and it grows in importance and then if you can then in time prove to them that you're getting clients you're accomplishing the following results then you can easily that's when you'll change their minds often but the thing is there is uh sometimes especially amongst the older generation lack of understanding of what having a business online actually means right. but that's that's understandable enough because that wasn't really a thing as much in their day yeah you know it's it's hard because you know they just want to show they care for their kids and their grandkids and they have their own perceptions of what a quality life is what a quality business is and um sometimes that that gets frustrating to have to feel like you need to explain that to them. Uh, I I'm of the mind of personally, I'm just going to do whatever I want because I trust myself and I'm going to do it. Um, and you know, that pressure from family is something that I don't necessarily ignore, but it's like, I would rather put the effort into my business and then showing them the success of that, uh, in the future instead of, you know, deciding to take the path that they want and feeling a sense of resentment to them in the future because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, there's only so much control they can have over that really. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a person and I think, I think there are a lot of people who uh, uh, honestly let them, let that control them a lot more than, um, than they should. Um, you know, and, and especially when you're younger, you know, 20 to 30, like you've got a lot of room in, in a lot of cases, you've got a lot of room to try different things, to experiment, to, you know, to, to roommate with people and not spend a lot of money and just have fun and figure stuff out. And uh, I think there's a just kind of too much pressure from parents or other family members for someone to like be something by 22, be married or be this. Yeah. And uh, you know, you should really just like explore because even in so many cases, in a lot of cases that I've heard with people that I've spoken to, they've kind of fallen into their career one way or another, you know, that maybe it was something they were kind of interested in or they were interested in it. Then they did something else and then they fell back into it or they came across it by just experimenting or working different jobs. And they were like, you know what? I really liked this. And then they leaned into that. You know, you got to give yourself some room to experiment. Definitely. Otherwise you just get stuck in just one thing and have to deal with not being happy in that. And especially now with, uh, with even really quote unquote regular jobs, that's not really guaranteed that that will be what you're you'll be doing forever. Yeah. So you so you kind of mentioned that entrepreneurship was in your family. Um, you mind talking about that a little bit? Was it like your? Oh yeah. Uh, just kind of let us know what that that's all about. 
so um, my my father is an actor, and my my mother used to run a diaper business. Mm-hmm. When so, I always I always grew up with entrepreneurship being a thing and being a norm, mm-hmm. and watching them go through the ups and downs of that, but they were going through the ups and downs of that at a very different time than I was. Yeah. And um, I I think that's pretty interesting because I kind of grew up in a similar way. My dad's always had his own advertising business. So, um, uh, and he was always a sales guy. So I I learned a lot from him as to, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to communicate with people, things like that. Um, Is there anything specific you feel like you've learned from kind of, uh, uh, being a part of that? Well, really just, just to not take anything as final. Everything is, everything is always a potential opportunity Mm -hmm. and more just dealing with people and realizing that people aren't perfect and that, uh, that's, there's a fine art dealing with clients because, uh, they will always, be very picky about what they want and what you think they want is not is always a matter of negotiation. So was, uh, was writing something you always wanted to do in terms of that entrepreneurship or did you have other entrepreneur type dreams or were you experimenting with things? Uh, how did that go? Well, I've always been obsessively writing since I was very young and it was an important uh, thing for me because uh, part of my disability was that learning how to read was really hard for me and I learned late mm-hmm. and so it once I figured it out it awakened this love of language and I more just started doing it more on a casual hobby kind of basis mm-hmm. and then professionally as well I I started to uh, gain some experience with like content marketing and uh, I've had my own blog for a while Mm -hmm. and uh, it was more just, I had a different idea of what kind of writing I was going to do earlier in my life. Mm -hmm. And then as, as I got older, I realized I actually really, really love the marketing side of writing and that's what I chose to stick to on the on the professional side um when when did you first start writing professionally meaning when what what was the first time you got paid and and how did you approach um finding that first client did you just kind of email people what what was the approach there yeah it i uh it was a lot of pitches i started off by sending a lot of cold pitches and also my blog was an important part of how I got clients too, because they'd see what I wrote on my blog and they'd go, Oh, well I could use this for my business. So for me, it was a combination of those methods really. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with the, the difficulty of, with the environmental processing and, and uh, some of the learning aspects you had when you were younger, um, how how does that come into play with some of your current business stuff? Does that get in the way at all with day-to-day life in terms of your writing or anything like that? Do you need more time to write than you you than most people expect? Or how does how does that 
how, uh, how do you make those adjustments um, for yourself and, you know, qualify that to the clients as well? Well, uh, I have to work extra hard to keep myself organized. I find okay. like I, that's an important part of uh, as well of why I have, have things like, like Trello boards and uh, why I have that thing set up on Calendly mm-hmm. and, and I keep a lot of to-do lists. So really, I, it's all about keeping all those. For me, I have to work extra hard to keep those systems in place. Right. Otherwise, I won't remember all the little dates and times and things like that. Right. Yeah, that's been big for me too. I don't have the same thing, but uh, I've always been really terrible at remembering things. And uh, having so many resources these days with like Calendly and Google Calendar and all these things where you can just kind of like set times and dates and set it and forget it uh, or have to review it all the time. Uh, Trello has been amazing for me personally. I, I, I love using that uh, for yeah. every day. Yeah. Cause it's very visual too. So yeah. it's really been helpful in that way. So you used uh, Trello as an example, um, but are there any other tools that kind of help you uh, business wise or, you know, with any kind of your, your struggle um, to kind of improve things for you? Well, uh, I used one called Zapier, which is good for all the little automation things I'll never remember without it, Mm -hmm. like all the little emails and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, more just exercise is a big part of things. Like I really just to really keep my productivity going, I find that I really, really have to uh, factor in going for walks and going for a run and things like that. Otherwise I'll just get too caught up in my own head. Right. And uh, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with the isolation thing a little bit too, you know, uh, getting some time, really taking time to take care of yourself because it's really easy to get caught up in your business, in your ideas, because it's something that it becomes a huge part of your life. And to have those moments where you can kind of separate, whether it's going to the gym or listening to music or, I don't know, stopping to eat a sandwich instead of eating a sandwich in front of the computer (laughs) or nice little things to kind of uh, uh, break up um, the the time that you're spending on stuff. How how much time are you typically um, spending on your your work each day? Are you working like a full eight-hour day? Um, Like, do you have a slightly different schedule? How, How are you doing those things? Well, usually it varies. If I have if I have a huge deadline, then I'll just basically work until I meet the deadline. Right. But on average, I'll I'll uh, I will go for the full hours, but I'll take lots of breaks in between. Yeah. And uh, my my boyfriend got me into a Swedish custom called fika, which is just basically. Uh, a coffee break. So they really believe in the importance of taking a break to just, and just talking to people and having coffee and having a snack and mm-hmm. taking a minute to just chill as something that's really important for creativity. Absolutely. It's, it's good for creativity, the amount of work you're doing. I, I totally agree with that to just kind of take time for yourself. And take a breather. Yeah, for sure. Take a breather. Take a breather. Um, 
And uh, another mention, another thing you mentioned on uh, this list of stuff was uh, uh, imposter syndrome and self doubt, especially when you're you're starting out. Uh, I think it's easy for your someone to feel like you know they maybe don't fit into the niche that you're, they're working in, or they're seeing so many other great art, uh, writers or photographers or or other people uh, doing all these great things, and you're like, oh god, I'm not I'm not that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how can someone combat those feelings? Well, first of all, it's it's important to recognize that that's the resume person version of someone rather than the full story. Right. That's just who they will portray on Facebook and LinkedIn and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And I was I was fine to have to remind other people too when they're like, oh wow, it's it's amazing that you were published on whatever website or, oh, wow, that's great. You worked with such and such business. But really, it's just important to recognize that there's more to that story than just that important qualification. Yeah, there's more to the day, the, the day-to-day in everyone's lives. And I, I think it becomes, I think it, the most important thing that I feel that I can contribute to that also is that uh, it's it sort of, using the mindset of community versus competition. Like these are people that are, especially when you're looking externally, you know, you're looking at other people who are doing rad things that they are not people that are, they're not necessarily competition. They might be from like on pen and paper when you're writing down your, your mission statement, your list of things like, okay, these are the people I'm competing with. But if, but they're also people that you can learn from. You know, there are people you can reach out to if they have a, if you have a question like, oh, how did you do that? And referrals too, like potential referrals over the long term. Right. Because like, even if you feel like they're a competition, they're in competition to you in some sense, there may be things that they can't do that you can do and vice versa. And you can help each other out. You can refer people to each other that way and build, build a community as opposed to competition with each other. You know, you can help each other. It's amazing what you could do that way. Yeah. In fact, I've found that's been in many ways, one of my more valuable marketing tactics, Mm -hmm. just connecting with people and uh, reading other people's stuff and uh, just being a really positive voice on online too. And just uh, promoting other people's stuff and just, just being the one that's always like, I read this cool article by such and such, I really like what they're doing with this. And then over the long term, uh, they'll reciprocate. And that reciprocation is, is much more productive than just sitting back and being like, oh, wow, they're doing so much better things than me. Or how can I do better than them? Right. And it's not, it's not always a good idea to compare, compare yourself to other people. You know, it's, you're on your own journey. You're learning at your own pace, you're learning your own things. And it's easy to look at someone and just say that they are great. And it took them a long time to get to that. I'm sure it took them a a certain level of focus. And I've, I've found it amazing how many times I've spoken to someone who I thought was like, so rad at what they do. And then they look at what I do and they say the same thing. (laughs) You know, and that's, that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. But that's, sort of very natural instinct to do that anyways like I'm sure even the people 
the all the Mark Zuckerbergs and those kinds of people, even they probably look at others and go, well, I wish I could be doing that. They're, they're really amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of the, the, the last point that I wanted to touch on um, was just the, the general self-doubt, more of the self-induced self-doubt. Um, uh, how, how has that played a role in, in uh, any difficulties you've had starting your business? Um, and, and how do you push through those days, those times where you're just like, I, I can't do this. I just, I don't know if this is a good idea anymore. I don't know if I have the talent, like any of those types of thoughts. Um, uh, have you experienced that and how have you worked through it? It's just really important to reach out. I find it's really important to be open with people about the fact that you're having those feelings and to, uh, use everything put everything you've done so far successfully into perspective to really reflect on what you've done well and what you haven't done. Mm -hmm. That's where I've found uh, things like journaling have really helped too, because then I can keep track of those thoughts and I can keep track of all the little ups and downs and I can see what I've learned and I haven't learned. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that can make a big difference. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think a key the- theme here in this conversation has been uh, 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 not being alone, you know, not I- isolating yourself, you know, making sure you're reaching out to people, talking to people, especially when you're having a, a difficult time. Um, and, and, and journaling counts as that. Journaling is is getting your thoughts out of your head onto paper, finding some way to process, you know, give yourself give yourself room to to work through a situation um but also bounce those ideas off of people you know not treating not treating your peers as competition but as part of a community and really just kind of embracing uh uh, help from people because it's easy to get into a place where you're like this is my business this is my responsibility i have to do this this is all me and therefore when i do things alone i get all of the accolades when i fail i suffer alone and that's that's not good in any way in either case. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, it's, it's really important to make those, those connections and because the most dangerous thing you can do is just get caught up in your own head. Yeah. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to, um, to anything we've talked about so far, anything um, that anyone else can kind of consider when they're starting their own business? Just really, the hardest part is just starting. So, so really, really just, just make an effort to reach out to people you're, you're fans of or people you respect and admire and uh, tell them what you're doing because chances are they, they probably need help with what you have to offer as well. I, I think that's the best starting point for anyone who's starting their own business. Fantastic. I think that's a lot of great advice for someone to take away from this talk. Um, how, how can someone get a hold of you and uh, learn more about you or your services? Or, and um, Yeah, just more about you. There's a couple different ways. So there's uh, my main website, which is my first name and my last name. So it's rosemaryrichings.com mm-hmm. and then there's my blog, rosywritingspace.com. Okay. 
And then there's my Twitter, which is at Rosie May underscore R. Awesome. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, maybe in a few months we can do a follow-up and see if we've, uh, uh, see how you're doing with your business and, and see if we have any questions from people based on this conversation uh, to kind of dive into this topic a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rosemary Richings, for being on the podcast. Uh, this was a good talk and uh, uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. All right. You have a good one, Rosemary, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend, oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe, yeah. Woo-hoo, purple flowers, candy showers in the air. You dance for hours as I watch from overhead. It's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine, yeah. It's on my team. Hey guys, just wanted to, a, to do a quick shout out to Stephen Hawking. Um, he passed away late last night and um, it's a pretty big loss for humanity. So just wanted to give my love to one of the greatest minds in history. Uh, definitely one of my heroes and uh, a tried and true example of sheer mental willpower you know he lived way 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 longer than he was supposed to and um did a lot of great things so we're grateful for his existence and uh just wanted to give some love i was lucky enough to work on the theory of everything for promotional materials and stuff so it's an honor to have any kind of loose connection to him in his life um and with that we'll continue the show r.i.p rest in space mr hawking